and lasses and welcome back to the soccer talk lads podcast this evening we'll talk about the united states men's national team who took six points in three games in their second window of world cup qualifying we'll also move on to the fact that ole gunner solskjaer is somehow still at the wheel with manchester united then we'll talk about champions league updates and give you more knowledge about swedish architecture than you ever wanted in your life it's a lot to cover so let's kick off Welcome back, everyone. It is Thursday, October 21st. Got it. Nailed it. Nice. Off to a hot start. This is the Soccer Talk Lads podcast, as you already know. I'm Stephen Ground, joined by Ian Peters and Justin Horniker. Justin, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Good, good, good. That's and Ian, how about yourself? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> ah, good, good. A nice balance. And I That's am, what we like to hear. I got to run the gamut. <laughs> as my name suggests, even Steven. So right in the middle, we're, we're just doing, we're doing just fine. So a lot has gone on in the soccer world over the past couple of weeks since we last talked. Uh, I think the big big news for the teams we cover would be kind of the USMNT window of appearances against CONCACAF teams in the uh, Ocho, as it's as it's lovingly referred to. What's the formal word? I can never remember if it's like the octagonal, 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 octagonal yeah, octagon, the, the Ocho, whatever um, you prefer. Yeah, but uh, mixed results ended up with six points in three games, so you can't be too upset. Um, I believe we talked a little bit about the squad before uh, in our last episode, but just to remind everyone, Matt Turner, Zach Steffen, Sean Johnson, the goalkeepers, defenders were Serginio Des, Walker Zimmerman, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, Chris Richards, uh, Mark McKenzie, George Bello, Shaq Moore, and DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, Ian, real quick, how do you say that team that DeAndre Yedlin plays for? I've uh, I've highlighted it on the notes. I'm just just curious your thoughts on that. Oh, Galatasaray. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you said it like six times as quickly, I think you pretty much nailed it. Yeah. That should be our next Ian quiz. Just have you pronounce all the Turkish league names. <laughs> Turkish I think names, be good. Yeah. That would be, be murderous. <laughs> oh boy, that would be bad. Uh midfielders, Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney. Christian Roldan, Luca Della Torre, who barely featured in this whole uh, window, which is maybe a topic of conversation. Now I'm accidentally talking to Siri. My whole computer's broken. Everything's terrible. Stop talking, Siri. Siri, which Could... Red Bull team does Tyler Adam play for? <laughs> <laughs> Did you all hear Siri, or was that just me in my own head? I, I did not to... hear then the listeners just think i'm going insane that's all uh like we're getting Luca Torre, as we said sebastian legette 
Kellen Acosta, Gianluca Busio in the midfield. And in the forward group, really the only group that matters because it's where Ricardo Pepe is. Mm-hmm. You also had Paul Ariola, Giassi's artist, Brendan Aronson, Matthew Hoppy, and Timothy Weah, who I thought had a, a pretty good window way. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we don't have to like break down each game in supreme detail if you want to hear one of us uh, participate in that you can go back and listen to justin's appearance on tectonic takes the san jose earthquakes podcast uh last week that was a week ago today right thursday yeah that sounds right time how was time is a flat circle so i'm not <laughs> yeah, sure that, but that is true how yeah was that? it was how good was if it you want some over analysis of both the usa and mexico games uh we kind of went through the whole Concacaf gambit so i did give a lot of in-depth detail on that podcast but uh, there, we've also had some kind of new news to affect the team in the past week as well. So, yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about that. Obviously the, the notable absentees from this squad that we just discussed were Christian Pulisic and Gia Reyna. And it looks like that's going to continue to be the case for the time yeah. being. Pulisic, it's uh, like, I don't know. I see this from a lot of the Chelsea fans. They're like, he's probably the best player on our team, but he's healthy half of the season so Mm -hmm. i think it's going to be like that for usa as well it seems like he just doesn't recover that fast from when he gets these nicks and bangs yeah yeah he definitely injury concerns and endurance Mm -hmm. is a a concern there uh and gia reyna obviously also as well those are probably your two best players although genuinely I'm, i'm not trying to ride l trend too much but i don't think you can totally keep ricardo pepe out of that conversation at this point yeah i um, think best players like most talented players probably the right way to put it like i still yeah. think like mckenny tyler adams and pepe now are probably more important than pulisic if that's mm-hmm. okay to say i don't know if that's okay to say i don't but... know the police <laughs> might get you uh but yeah yeah i mean i think they're obviously Pulisic, I think, is on another level in terms mm, of overall skill and ability. He's like the best player in the world when he's on. Right. But he needs to find that gear more consistently and be, what's the word, uh, healthy more yeah. often. So hopefully, I mean, obviously, if he can do that, that's going to be transformational for the USMNT. And I think in a way it's it's encouraging to see the team come together without him and for the most part, with Panama, as we'll talk about, being the notable exception, um, play pretty well and mm. get the job done, do the work they need to do. Um, so why don't we just jump in right into the uh, the disappointment in the middle there? Panama beat us one to nothing in Panama. Um, what were your thoughts on this game, Justin? What did you think about the starting 11? What did you think about Greg Berhalter? Um, open, the floor is yours. You've got yeah. an open mic. Tell us about it. I think this game kind of broke me. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a good start. Yeah. <laughs> like when the, when the lineup was announced, you know, I think everyone kind of knew going in there was going to be a lot of rotation. One with the England-based players not able to play, and then also with the kind of three-game window, you probably play the weaker team when you go away. CONCACAF's a shit show anyway, so anything could happen. But I think it just speaks to the bigger picture of how we rotate and the players that we brought onto this roster, because the players that played in Panama, at least for that first half, were definitely the secondary players like outside of a few in that starting lineup. And 
we should not be letting Panama control possession in the way that they did. And I think you have to look at that midfield in particular when you're watching this game and you're seeing them not able to link from the back that defensive action through the midfield to the attack. And then you had Matt Turner trying to throw bombs to the attacking players and just losing possession all the time. So it's just this big thing, this big chaotic thing that wasn't working. And then when you try to kind of make those subs slowly try to kind of make that impact, it just wasn't impactful. So to me, that's all on Greg Berhalter for having the players play that he played, having the roster selection that he selected, and then not making the adjustments quick enough. Like you could tell those first 10 minutes that it wasn't going to work and they're just banging your head against the wall. It feels to me like that's my biggest concern with Berhalter in general is um, that kind of adjustment period. Mm. It just seems to take too long for him to, first of all, it doesn't ever seem like the game plan is that scientific to begin with. And then whatever it is, it doesn't, it just takes too long for him to adjust and make substitutions and the substitutions don't always seem You know, I don't claim to be an expert. Greg Berhalter obviously knows more about soccer and tactics than I do. I'm not pretending otherwise, but like that's debatable, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But but it does seem like the the substitutions sometimes are like, is that really who we need here? Is that, you know, is Christian Roldan really the answer to this question that Panama is asking? And um and it is always, it's always Christian Roldan. I think, I think that's, that's part of the problem is he's really comfortable with, with particular players. He's very comfortable with MLS players. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want it to be the other way where we have a, an international manager who doesn't believe in MLS players. Mm. Cause that'd be a real problem for us men's coach, but like, there's gotta be some balance there and, I think- and there hasn't seemed to be yet. I think we should be asking questions about the selection of which MLS players you bring too. Cause I think there are players better in MLS currently than the group that we brought, like, especially when we're talking about like Ariola and rolled on and like rolled on is an all-star in the MLS, but when he plays for the national team, I think it just doesn't come together most of the time. And then we're just bringing those same players over and over again and aren't kind of having that rotation like we have with the European players. It seems like. I don't yeah. know. This game, I'm just like, this game just made me angry and to the point where I think I'm just done with Greg Berhalter. Like, this mm-hmm. is what we're going to get. You're going to have these games where we we win, we play well, we look fantastic, and then you have these games where it's just a complete miss, and then you you don't get those adjustments. Like you said, Stephen, you don't get those adjustments that you think you're going to get. Like, I think if that's the case, maybe we qualify, but, you know, what's, what's the ceiling here? Yeah. Um, and I feel like the last thing I'll say is I think he Burhalter is a little slow to trust newcomers, mm. um, which I don't really, you know, coaches get yelled at for that pretty much always. And I don't really, I, I don't want to criticize them as much as maybe they get criticized for it. Cause I understand if you're in a, you know, if you're in a critical game on the road and you're losing, you don't want to necessarily take a gamble. If mm-hmm. you know right. what, it's kind of like the let's make a deal. If you know what's behind door number A and that's pretty good, then why are you going to open door number B and and it could be a shit show, you know? So like I sort of get it, but that is kind of like, then it's like guys like uh, John Lucabusio, who I don't think touched the field during this 
window? Did he? I think he, he got in have, in the last briefly, game, I but, believe. Um, but Bustio and Della Torre and some of those younger guys, um, maybe they're the guy that can provide the spark that really can jumpstart the team in a, in a situation like that, that'll be hungry and energetic, much like Pepe was back in the last window. And then he had, you know, he's obviously pretty much become the main story of the team mm. right now, especially with the other players injured. Um, I just think we missed some of those opportunities because he's reticent to put those players in. Yeah. And I guess that's what I don't really understand because I watch a lot of Busio, um, just because I enjoy watching him play and I enjoy kind of what's going to happen with that Venencia team. And he looks like he belongs in Serie A. And I watch a lot of Bundesliga and Joe Scali looks really good as a young player for Bayern Misha Gladbach. And Scali wasn't even invited to come to the roster. And that's a player that we definitely could have used a guy who can play both right back and left back and someone who you maybe don't have to rely on as heavily when you can't play Anthony Robinson or destiny. It's a break. And I don't know. It seems like Greg is apprehensive to give him a shot in the national team. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a fair way to put it. And he, he was a little off and on when he did get a shot over the summer, but he looked good at times. So I just think it's, I think it's worth it. Ian, I'm curious, genuinely, like as kind of a, a little more of a, of a passive fan, what is like your vibe check on the, on the men's soccer team right now? Obviously you're going to be a little influenced by our vibes, but how do you think, how do you feel overall? Are you feeling like pretty comfortable, a little apprehensive? How do you feel about everything? Oh, we try not to uh, try not to listen to uh, you guys at all. So you know that's you know no influence whatsoever. <laughs> Couldn't even hear his cue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, um, you know, I guess it feels sort of I don't know, tepid. I guess is that, yeah, that be a good word. It's just very like I don't I don't know what to think of this team. Like they seem like they could be good. It feels like given what you guys have talked about with the roster, like that they should be fairly good, but then you get results against Panama like that, where it, I don't know, I would assume it kind of shakes your confidence a little where you're like, okay, but why, you know, it's, that should be, I'm assuming like more of an easy win. Assuming Panama isn't necessarily a, a world beater when it comes to soccer. Um, just feels like those those games seem to pop up here and there, and it always makes me go like, "Wait, should I be confident in this team, or should I just go to bed?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that really is a good way to put it. Um, I just think it's very undecided right now, and and that's not where you want to be in World Cup qualifying. You know, I mean, there's there's a time for experimentation, and then there's a time for having it right and firing on all cylinders and you would like this to be the time for the latter you look at this next window that's coming up and we've got a couple of uh of two game windows november 12th obviously is the huge showdown against mexico in cincinnati uh the heartland of american football we've never said anything bad about cincinnati and soccer so glad that that city will represent the united states uh, well yeah it's fantastic and then we uh, go to Jamaica in Kingston, which you have to assume is going to be one of your um, easier road. 
and even even then like jamaica is in that weird spot where they haven't had their england based players and mm-hmm. they will have them for this window so it's going right. to be a different jamaica team than for sure but i i think overall i mean i was talking yeah i mean that's a team that we should be winning against right sure. and i'm yeah. talking more about atmosphere i don't think it'll mm. be quite i mean it'll be rowdy obviously because it's, it's not quite out, uh three players running it. onto the field yeah. and stop time and kicking right. the ball around yeah <laughs> right exactly so you would hope that that will be uh, an opportunity at a win and you'd love, you know, you'd love four points, but you got to get at least those three against Jamaica. Um, and then you have uh, versus El Salvador and at Canada in the next window on in January, late January, and then versus Honduras at the end of that February 2nd. Um, and then that, the thing I'm worried about is really the last window. Cause in the, in the March window, you have, you go to Mexico on the 24th, then host Panama and then go to Costa Rica. We've already seen this team lose to Panama. And as we'll talk about in a minute here, we can brush over pretty quickly. Uh, not exactly dominate Costa Rica. Uh, and then obviously at Mexico is, is, theoretically your hardest game i mean not mm-hmm. even theoretically it's definitely it your hardest game yeah <laughs> in the entire window so you you really want to be looking ahead and walking into that last triad with a point or two that you need to grab like at most like you do not want to be in a position where you need even four points much less six or more you know yeah i mean like I still have faith that this team will get into that final window and still like pretty confident yeah. to qualifying. And especially if we get that, like we haven't seen our full strength best 11 yet either, which is going to be exciting to see if we ever do see right. it. And like maybe for that January window. So, but yeah, yeah that, I mean, that could get tough real quick. As it stands, we have 11 points. Panama has eight in fourth place. Canada has 10 Mexico 14. So we're not, in a lot of jeopardy, but I just want to be looking forward and be aware that you gotta, you gotta lock it down and get it done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you take care of business. If you can get, if you can beat Mexico at home, which has not been out of the question lately for us to beat Mexico, then that's, that really kind of transforms how, how we're feeling about this team and everything else. And, and hopefully that'll happen and we'll have a lot less to worry about, but we're going to see, it'll take time for sure. And, It'll be interesting. Uh, anything you really want to go over, uh, Justin, in the games against Jamaica or Costa Rica? I felt like Jamaica, we looked pretty dominant as we should against Jamaica. Uh, you know, that was probably one of the more more happy performances. I think if we had if we had even drawn against Panama, we'd feel pretty mm-hmm. elated coming out of this window. But unfortunately yeah that I think we played the way that the costa rica game played out kind of led to a little a little more unhappiness yeah i think we played like three good halves you know to those <laughs> games against jamaica and then the last half against costa rica and <laughs> yeah that's pretty fair but i think jamaica is a team that you know we should beat even at full strength and yeah, certainly at so less too. than full strength and we did so you know good for us and then costa rica that first goal was ugly. Um, you know, we put in Zach Steffen because of his ball distribution abilities in theory, I guess. And then he lets in a goal that 
I, you know, you, you can't know, but it really feels like Matt Turner would have saved. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Cause like goal. rewatching that goal, it really did look like everyone thought he was offside. Like I'm not excusing it, but it looked like mm-hmm. everyone kind of acted like he was offside and maybe wasn't, weren't competing 100%, but not right. knowing that Dest was off the field and playing the man. Yeah. On. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to blame Stefan for that goal necessarily, but it does feel a little bit like, <laughs> I would have been more confident in Turner yeah. making the stop. Easy to say because I watched Stefan not make the stop. So maybe that's <laughs> proving the point a little bit. But, you know, I, it still felt like it was a really rough start. They didn't look great much of the rest of that half. Um, but then the uh, phenomenal Sergio Desco, which why don't you talk yeah. about that for a while? Because I know that made you feel feelings. Oh, yeah, that made me feel all sorts of feelings. And <laughs> it was great because they left him with just so much room. But rewatching it, you see that he has that much room because I think Wea was making or I think it was McKinney was making like this run kind of diagonally. So the defender had to like stay off desk to kind of respect McKinney and Des just took advantage of that. He scoots the ball over a bit with his weak foot, his left foot, and then just puts it top bins, as they say. No one's getting that, not even the best goalkeeper in the world sometimes, Kaylor Nevis. Yeah, that was freaking nice. That was a beautiful goal. Um, and that was enough to give us, a, you know, confidence eventually the second goal um, came from who scored it. I can't find it in the notes because my brain is broken uh who did score it uh, <laughs> oh it was an own goal it was that goal that oh yeah shoots it it kind of goes off the bar and off the back of the keeper yeah, yeah, that yeah. isn't Kaylor Nevis, and then uh we win i'm an old one. man folks um <laughs> you know what give me give my brain some space it's all right steven awesome. we're getting better we're trying so hard we really are we really are <laughs> um <laughs> My favorite moment in this game, I think, without question, was John Champion just absolutely savaging Brian Ruiz when he should have had a breakaway, but just had no legs left in his leg. That's the thing that, like, worries me a little bit about this game, too. Like, if Costa Rica Uh had any sort of speed on the wings that weren't, like, 37-year-old men, we would have lost this game for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think (laughs) maybe you could – if you were more confident in your manager, you might say – yeah, well, we knew that and took mm. that into account. We're right. playing a little more free on the wings because we knew Sergio Desk because, can run down yeah, Brian Ruiz. Tyler Adams can or, run down whatever. Brian Ruiz with right. giving him like a 20-foot head start. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, it's certainly a, a bit of a concern. But as it is, the window's over. Like I said, we're in second place right now. There's not, there's not a ton to be scared about if you can beat Canada uh, you know, basically there's a couple of games now where if you, if you win, if you win either game at, against Mexico or win the game in Canada, it's pretty hard to imagine that you don't mm. qualify, you know, and even if you don't do that, there's still a pretty clear path to qualifying. So yeah, it's not the end of the world scenario, but it's just not quite as comfortable as you'd like it to be. I think it just like, we have high standards for this team because this team mm-hmm. should be, if not winning the group, at least like neck and neck with Mexico. But that being said, for all of our belly aching, we're still three points up on Panama and five points up on Costa Rica for that four spot. You'd go through like qualifying to get to the World Cup. So I'm pretty confident that we won't slip at this point. But 
Yeah. You just have high yeah, expectations I mean, for it. Not- this is America. We demand excellence. <laughs> That's right, Ian. Uh, anything else you want to say about the U.S. men's national team? Um, all I want to say is that Sergino Dust on the wing and Joe Scali right back. That's what I would like to see at least once. Greg, just give me it once. That's all I want. I just want to see what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that'd be fun. But we don't get what we want, do we? That's true. <sighs> Let's move on to the Premier League and talk about Ian's fighting chickens and other teams. Uh, Liverpool, uh, they handle Watford. I woke up. At 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., whenever I was supposed to, and pretended to be awake to see the first two goals of this game. And once it was comfortably in the bag, I went back to sleep. But I do think the cool thing to mention here is um, that uh, Sadio Mane becomes the third player, third African player in Premier League history to reach the century mark in goals, joining uh, Didier Drogba. Yeah, I blew that Didier Drogba and his teammate Mohamed Salah uh pretty cool pretty Drogba one of my favorite players of all time too oh phenomenal (laughs) sensational and an even better human being too potentially so that's That's what I hear (laughs) nice uh how about uh this Leicester City Manchester United matchup you want to talk us through that I mean I guess I probably should um the unfortunate thing before I get into this game is that now we know that it didn't cost Ole his job. So that's a little bit upsetting to me. Uh, Leicester for Manchester United to this game where Mason Greenwood looks good. It comes out hot. He gets the first goal. We get Yori Tilomans coming in to score and make it one, one. Then we bring in Marcus Rashford for Jane Sancho in the 68th minute. And then like just crazy town happened where within the final 10 minutes of this game, Four goals are scored. Lester make it two to one. Rashford makes it two to two. Jamie Vardy scores like seconds later, of course. And then, of course, uh, mm-hmm. Daka gets the stoppage time goal when United have everyone pushed forward. Um, this was not good. Just, just not a good rebound. I think this is one of the games where if United is firing on all cylinders, they should probably beat Lester. But the difference is Lester is well coached and United isn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty succinct there yeah i think you know with my fandom right now i have you know my usmnt fandom a man united fandom it's uh the players are good no i have no qualms with the players outside of how they're being dispersed by the managers and yeah it was not great um ronaldo didn't look good in this kind of game either because i think in ole's style and just in manchester united style too you need that kind of nine that can counter press and can press the back four of leicester whatever team and ronaldo just isn't that player anymore uh so i think like we talked about when the transfer happened you lose a lot of that uh, and a lot of that kind of range when you have him playing your number nine as well and not being subbed all game yeah yeah, I mean, it's a mess over there. The talent a mess. is too good for it to not be, you know, you. I'm sure we'll talk about the nail-biter uh, in the Champions League group as well. It's too good a team to not not be, not be better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea beat Brentford one to nothing. That's disappointing. Any thoughts mm. on that? Yeah, that was sad. Um, Brentford looked really good. And this game, uh, the atmosphere was amazing. And honestly, like Chelsea looked good too. It's just a really back and forth fun game to watch. And then Chelsea ruined our dreams by scoring that goal. Uh, ben Chelwell, actually freaking rocket on the volley. 
uh, and that was the decider. I I love that arena after when they sing Hey Jude after the match and before the match and just sounds so good. They're my good vibes team for sure. And I don't like seeing them lose. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they're pretty awesome. I think they're kind of the Leeds United of this year, you know, the promoted team that's got some pluck pretty comfortably looks Mm. like they won't be sent back down right away. Um, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know their atmosphere would be that good too. Yeah. For sure, yeah, I think that's been a big factor. Ian, your team won. Tottenham beat Newcastle three to two. Nuno is still employed. Uh, what are your thoughts? How do you feel about Tottenham? Three whole goals in a three game. of them, right? I think that's the first <laughs> time uh, this season, I believe. You know, I did watch first half of this game, and I wanted to turn it off after the first two minutes <laughs> and twenty seconds because I said this is this is not going to be good. I can I can see my this not being good. They're already wearing these purple jerseys. I I'm a fan of purple. I'm not a fan of this purple. I don't know purple on a green field. I mean that's that's the color of the fields, but like it's just not that's that's uh gives me Barney vibes. So I'm like no, I'm not. Yeah, that's like what these. that color scheme is. I was like trying to think about what that color scheme was, and that yeah, you're right, you're right on you. Purple purple on white ice and hockey, love it. I need to do more of that. Purple on green grass, no, thank you um so we already started with that the goal uh the goal was really amazing from the newcastle player um cal Wilson. it was like a laser header i mean it was a cross and there's a bam right in like i like those rugby style goals where they bounce them off or uh not rugby was it lacrosse style goals they bounce it off the ground i'm like oh man that's that looks like a hard header because it bounced so high up <laughs> in the net <laughs> you got a lot um, of neck muscles behind that i was one. like man that's yeah i'd be i'd be knocked out <laughs> but uh, thankfully, thankfully there was three three goals scored in the first half by Tottenham there, and so it ended up being an actually an actual good game for once. Um, and I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised. I shouldn't have been though because I didn't realize that Newcastle sucks uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that they haven't won any games yet, uh, and that they're in relegation territory. And I was like, oh, okay, well then this should have been expected. But like much like the U.S. team, you know the even if I was supposed to expect that, should I have, should I really have, do I really know this team? And that's where I'm left at. Do I know this team? This seems like a win they should have had anyways. So you know what? A win's a win. You play who's in front of you, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like nothing has changed for me. (laughs) And they still got, they still got a, their, their manager there. And I'm like, well, that's just an unfortunate byproduct. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think goes first justin nuno or ole i think nuno stays i think i think he's starting to figure it out you know you're seeing a lot I think more. he's done enough now i think so uh, <laughs> i've done enough but like okay he's done enough but what does ole have to do to get fired is the other is the other concern uh it's true. It you know what what do you believe in more do you whose trigger finger is itchier uh i just don't, I don't know, know how as manchester i he must he would have been gone after that champions league game wouldn't he if they I, lost that i think so time? i think like at a certain point even if you are like in the good graces and that's the thing with ole like he's a club legend so they don't want to like disgracefully fire him and like the players still love him i just think like tactically he's not good and that's fine as a coach like you know uh <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have anything to say about him as a person 
but yeah, that Atalanta loss, if they would have lost two nothing at home, he would have been done for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but as, alas, he is still there. Alas, alas, he is. Uh, Patrick Vieira, that's the head coach of Crystal Palace, right? Yep, yep. He's MLS also his own still employed. Yeah, that's right. Uh, he's also still employed and got his team to a 2-2 draw against Arsenal because the Arsenal's terrible. Um, Speaking of other coaches who I still employed somehow. I don't say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mikel, Mikel Arteta's gorgeous, but the team, not so good. Uh, any thoughts about these two teams or any opinions about why we would speak about them at all, Justin? Uh, just to talk about how handsome Mikel Arteta is, really. That's the only mm-hmm. reason to talk about That's Arsenal really, at all. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> this is That's, uh, Jeff Erasure. <laughs> <laughs> diehard Arsenal fan. That's true. Our friend, uh, our friend Gift Jeff is, you know, quite the big Arsenal fan. You know who's not as handsome as Mikel Arteta? I hate to say it, Patrick Vieira. Mm, got yeah. a little, got a little bit of a of a normal dude face, which is fine. But Mikel Arteta is not a normal dude. Could not pick out Patrick Vieira out of a crowd. You're gonna <laughs> pick out Mikel Arteta out of a crowd. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. well, you'd be drawn to him immediately. The magnetism. Uh, let's talk about the Champions League, shall we? Let's do it. Would you like to do that? Ian, are you on board? I am. <laughs> so we're, we're halfway through the Champions League. Three games played, three games ago. I thought we would mm-hmm. just kind of go through each group and talk about the surprises and what, uh, what we think is going to happen going forward. So Group A, you have PSG, Man City, Club Bruges, and RB Leipzig. RB Leipzig with no points so far through three games, with PSG in front with seven points, Man City with six points, and Club Rouge with four points. Yeah, Leipzig's a little bit surprising there. I think the two top teams are not a surprise, but a little bit surprising that Leipzig lost to Club Bruges and has nothing show, to show for it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's that's the main takeaway is that uh our Good friend, good American friend, Jesse Marsh, current manager of RB Leipzig. I think with all the turnover they had this year, it's kind of expected for them to struggle, but not getting a point from Club Rouge is certainly, certainly unexpected. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe Jesse needs a new job somewhere. <laughs> maybe. maybe he needs to manage a team a little closer to home. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. just a thought, just a, just an idea I'm going to throw out there. Uh, Liverpool at the top of Group B. I thought I'd just go ahead and cut you off and uh, make note of that there. Justin, Atletico, uh-huh. Porto, and Milan are all in the distant, distant far reaches of the group. Uh, Atletico and Porto have four points apiece, and Milan has none. Liverpool's game this week was a lot of fun, a little crazy, uh, ridiculous moments. The <laughs> the super kick to the face of Sadia oh, yeah. Mane was quite, <laughs> quite an experience. Uh, Anton Griezmann on? had quite a game. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was two goals and the red card. Right, that's the uh, the old Gordy Howe hat trick. The Zidane, yeah. as we and it's it. like that was the a Zidane. fantastic red card too. That just cleats oh, the set to yeah. Roberto Firmino's face. And, uh, that, and I was worried about his teeth for a second, but you're right. Was it wasn't. Okay. It was Firmino and not Mane. Uh, but yeah, just as long as you protect those teeth. Right. The face, not so good. But the teeth, oh, those have to stay. They are 
wholly impure. Um, yeah, that was a that was a game from him. That was I as we talked about in our group chat, uh, petition to refer to two goals, one red card games as Zadandis for now on. I would mm. say, uh, I think that's I think that's coined had quite the Zidandi. Yeah. So, uh, any other thoughts on that group? I I think if I am predicting who makes it out, I think Liverpool and Atleti. Uh, both look fine. I think Liverpool willing, wins willing comfortably. Willing to commit to Liverpool at this point? I'm willing to commit to Liverpool. I'm willing to commit to Madrid uh, making it out as well. I think they're the two best teams. Just like Steven, I'm willing to commit to PSG and Man City making it out of Group A. I'm willing to go out on a you, limb. You're a brave man. <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't do that. Um, Ian, what do you think about this Atleti crest with the bear picking apples from a tree or whatever mm. it is he's doing? I think that's perfect. I mean, <laughs> you know, sometimes sometimes you got to mix in the uh, the absurd with some of these crests because some of them are just uh-huh. very historic looking. You're like, oh, you know, this is at a glance, like this is, you know, something from hundreds of years back. And then you kind of get like a weird little bear picking an apple and you're like, okay, still historic, still very old, but I feel needs, like it probably needs some is. answers. Yeah, I feel like it probably is ancient, which is the funny thing. And I also like that the rest of it is just the American flag. (laughs) (laughs) Explain to anyone that this is the club of a world-renowned Spanish or the crest (laughs) of a world-renowned Spanish soccer club and just watch them look at you funny and ask you to explain yourself. This Uh, crest, by the way, over 100 years old, uh, 1917. With uh-huh. a cherry tree and a bear standing on its hind legs. So I really <laughs> want to play FIFA. Like I'm in the mood to play FIFA, but I'm trying to hold out until I have a PS5, which is, I know, a completely hopeless mm. endeavor. But uh, we'll be playing I FIFA got... 25. <laughs> <laughs> I got on one of those like um, direct sale PlayStation like wait lists today and failed miserably. Ooh. But it felt like I was somehow closer. You know, it felt like, oh, I hadn't gotten this far before. So Maybe, maybe it's in the, uh, in the near future. And maybe if, and when I do get it on PlayStation four, uh, I will coach man or Atleti and try and, you know, make them the cream of Europe's crop. Who knows? Group C, Justin, you want to tell us about group C? Yeah. Group C. Speaking of the cream of Europe's crop. (laughs) We have Ajax going top. Uh, yeah, nine maybe. points beating Dortmund last game pretty emphatically. Dortmund with six points in second place, Sporting Lisbon in third place with three points, and Besiktas in last place with zero points. I mean, I think that's probably how this game, this uh, group ends as well. Ajax looking real good. It looks like they've kind of rebound from their down year last year and are ready to get back to the quarterfinals again. And, you know, maybe they add a uh, peppy size hole to their front nine as well. Although it sounds like uh, <clears> some <throat> some really squads might be in on him as well. As oh, well that's as right. Good teams. That's right. Recognize. The, <laughs> uh, I mean, imagine imagine watching uh, Sadio Mane and uh, Roberto Firmino distribute to Ricardo Pepe and tell me you really wanted to play on Ajax. Think I mean, about it. That's fine, but... Mo Salah is also Justin. in front of him at that point. Do you want? Do you want Mo Salah to leave, Stephen? What do you want? Uh, to no comment. I want. <laughs> I want everything to be happy and nothing there to be no consequences mm. for. Okay, it. that's so, fine. That would be where I'd prefer to sit. Uh, so you know, uh, that's what I'm going to do. 
Sheriff, speaking of sitting, they are still sitting at the top of Group D with six points. They did lose this week to Inter. Uh, however, um, they have the win over Real Madrid, and so they are technically ahead of Real Madrid. Inter now has four points. Shakhtar has just one point, thanks to their unlikely draw against Inter. <sighs> Do you feel like the dreams are going to die with Sheriff and, and they're going to fade from here? Yeah, unfortunately, soft fascism <laughs> is going to fall by the wayside. Uh, it, was, it was fun while yeah. it lasted, folks. It was fun while it lasted, but uh, yeah, I think... <laughs> Madrid and Inter probably take up those spots. And, you know, Sheriff still gets to compete in the Europa League. So they have everything to look forward to. Hey, that's true. You know what? <laughs> soft, fa- soft fascism will yeah, get you to the other Adama Traore, below the middle. The other Adama, my second favorite Adama Traore will be able to play there. So. Oh, the second best Adama Traore <laughs> by far. By far, I would say. I still believe in Sheriff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 Uh, you know, I, I would like for them to succeed. I just, I just don't have a lot of confidence at this point. What would you guess their passing accuracy or their, let's start with possession. What do you think their possession has been through three games and two victories? Oh man, it's going to be low because they, <laughs> they definitely play that like four, four, two low block counterattack style uh-huh. that just frustrates the hell out of the people. Uh, I'm going to say tw- uh, 33%. That's what I'm going to get. Oh, almost on the nose. 32.34%. Six yellow cards, no red cards. It's fantastic. They're a good team. They're a fun team. I mean, I'm all for if Madrid were to somehow miss out, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, true. Uh, Group E with the B-Boys. You want to talk about the B-Boys, Justin? B-Boys. Bayern leading the group, of course, as we all know and expect, with nine points. Benfica with four points. Barcelona with only three points, winning their game last week. And Dynamo Kiev, Dynamo Kiev with one point with a draw early on. This is a very interesting group because you have Barcelona looking a little bit resurgent. Uh, Can Benfica come back from just getting totally picked apart by Bayern in the second half? That's my question. Probably. But who knows? Uh, <laughs> could they not have made Besiktas the uh, ritual sacrifice in this? Yeah, I mean, that would have just been... to have all the B boys. Yeah, I feel like Besiktas and or even Kino young boys at are least fairly, they're fairly interchangeable anyway. Uh... Right. <laughs> so just have all the B boys together mm-hmm. and you yeah. could have put them in group B, you know, come on. Why won't UEFA think of the content possibilities? <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're out here. Gianni is out here thinking about two World Cups every six months. Yeah. And I'm here with the greatest marketing idea in the history of the world, mm. just sitting on, on a platter for him. So uh, speaking of sitting on a platter, uh, the as we already mentioned, Atalanta almost already had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's head on a platter, mm-hmm. but they fell apart in the second half thanks to the ageless, timeless, and gorgeous uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, who really looked like he wanted to be the hero of that game and just kind of willed Manchester United to victory. I mean, the whole team looked better in the second half. Yeah, but, he wanted uh, to be the was, hero without actually yeah. getting open for the ball. That was his... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hey, he made it work. He did it. Uh, Manchester United now ahead in the group, six points. Villarreal 
Montreal, four points, Atalanta, four points, Young Boys, three points. Justin, how confident are you now that Manchester United escapes the group? And assuming that you are pretty confident, which of Villarreal and Atalanta do you think survives? I'm more worried about Atalanta because they are going through a bit of an injury crisis. Robin uh-huh. Gosens is missing some games and he's like... Robin Gosens is probably one of the more underrated players in Europe with just how quality he is and how important he is to the Atlanta team. I This group, much easier than the group United had last year when they blew that lead after three games. So I think Man United definitely get through. Atlanta and Villarreal is tough. Uh, I think just bias-wise, I'm going to put Atlanta through. Um, but this, you know, Villarreal and Young Boys can definitely pick up points if either of those teams aren't careful as we've already seen in this group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'll be a fun one to watch those two. And, and like you said, young boys is, is not out of it. So they play uh, fun soccer too. David Wagner looking much better there than he did at Schalke. Uh, That's for sure. sure. (laughs) And, you know, with, with due respect to your guys that man United isn't a team you couldn't take points off of mm. in, in, in your best night and their worst. So Once think- they got that first goal back, I kind of knew that United were going to win, but the first uh-huh. half Atlanta were all over them. And yeah, uh, they had their backup fullback making plays down the wing all <laughs> half long. And it was great to watch, but yeah, eventually so, I mean- talent over, overruns just good play yeah so i mean you you kind of know who you expect to win that group but it still really is anyone's Mm. to take i think and that's probably one of the few groups probably the only group you can really say that about still um group c group g did i do i don't know which one i did you do group g just okay group g this is of course the (laughs) europa league group masquerading as a champions league group Uh, (laughs) (laughs) salzburg winning the group seven points so that's a sevilla's three we have Lille with two points and wolfsburg with two points and uh yeah i mean Here's to say what's going to happen. I think, I guess Salzburg have enough of a lead now that Brendan Aronson and co are probably going through. Um, I don't know. Sevilla, Lille, and Wolfsburg are all like in the same position in their respective leagues. So it's kind of interesting in that route. They're kind of like that. All three of them are that like second tier of group teams. Um, uh-huh. I really, I mean, I would love to see Lille go through just for Tim Weah's sake, but I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily. They're yet to win a game. So yeah yeah uh that'll be in that i think you put it well there a, a europa league group masquerading <laughs> but it, it I do gets think, out those vibes though. <laughs> i do think salzburg has comfortably advanced and half of this group is barely even a europa league group uh max masquerading group h which features juventus at the top with nine points Chelsea with six and the only loss, obviously coming to Juventus. I can do math and Zenit and Malmo uh, with three and zero respectively having uh, clashed and with Zenit having beaten Malmo. Uh, This is pretty, I mean, it's very obvious. It's been obvious the whole time who was going to advance and who wasn't. It's funny how the champions league wants to feature 32 teams but doesn't even quite have 24 believably competitive teams. So like you've got some groups like, you know, like you, the man United group where there are at least three teams that you could see advancing group E has definitely three teams. Um, You know, Liverpool's group group B has three teams. Um, But then there's this group that has 
it's just such a such a wide split before, yeah and then the yeah, top two yeah malmo the thrown in there to the wolves not scoring yeah. a single goal yet <laughs> rough um but hey they're in the champions league no That's one right. can ever say they weren't in the champions league you know so mm-hmm. uh ian what country would you say malmo is is from what country do you think they play in well it's gotta be sweden yeah yeah famously the team that zlatan came up through uh, ah you know ian ian has has uh really kind of mastered our quizzes yes you know we need to get tougher i think is what that they've got you gotta (laughs) (laughs) you've gotta i'm gonna i'm gonna paste this uh you know how um wikipedia has like the photo collages for cities mm. i'm gonna paste it at the bottom of our notes doesn't this seem like a much more interesting city than you would have thought that it was they've got geometric building creations and a Ooh. griffin with a crown in the is this malmo square. this malmo Sweden yeah this is malmo hmm. this looks yeah. like a fantastic place to be in the summer yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's right that's right in the summer i'm i'm copying their t- their much like press, minnesota is horrifying way, I feel like do you think how much oh, of a crossover yeah. do you think there is between like saint paul and malmo sweden oh very very <laughs> large somehow those people left their country their countrymen left at one point and they said let me go to the same place <laughs> <laughs> i would like to go to the same place please that uh, um, i'm digging that crest though oh wow yeah it's like a griffin on top of a knight on top of another crest that has a griffin on it. Now see, now that looks like a battle chicken. <laughs> that is a battle chicken for sure. Uh, Malmo Filavipen is the uh, is the you know the the well, I can't think of the slogan. I guess the town motto. That's probably the word I was looking for. What does it mean to you? Well, that's not what uh, actually the town motto is <laughs> Mangfald Moten Milgeter, which is diversity, meetings, and possibilities. So, is one of the meetings? <laughs> yeah. I guess they could be like people meet. meet each other, but yeah. I'm thinking I like corporate so. meetings. <laughs> Malmo was one of the earliest and most industrialized towns in Scandinavia, but it struggled to adapt to post industrialism. Since the 2000 completion of the Orison Bridge, Malmo has undergone a major transformation, producing new architectural that. developments. Just need to connect it to the rest, of the, the rest of the mainland, I guess. Uh, <laughs> right. I was like, does that bridge go to, I think, because I had a friend that actually went here one time. I think that bridge must connect to like Copenhagen or something. Oh, that's a, that's a good shout. The yeah, Orison Bridge. Is a combined railway and motorway bridge across the Orson Strait between Sweden and Denmark. You are how, correct. How long of a bridge is that? I know it's basically <laughs> sometimes those long bridges give me the heebie-jeebies, man. Seven thousand eight hundred and forty-five meters, which was twenty-five hundred feet, so about five miles, give or Jesus. take. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no thanks. You ever People drive, drive down, down to like the Florida Keys? Uh-uh. I was gonna say, you ever drive down to? Um, New Orleans and drive across Lake Pontchartrain. Not I have, me, I have done that before. Yes, not, not for me. It's very you. disorienting. In mm, my mind. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like it. I mean, I know, I know that there are thousands of other cars that drive on that bridge every day, <laughs> but I could be the one. I, I didn't realize that falls through. It's only a thirty-four minute drive from Malmo to Copenhagen, right across that bridge. So if you're ever, there if you're ever go. in the area, 
Whichever one's not, better, man. I will not get on that bridge. I don't like, <laughs> you know, you know what I really don't like is now that I'm looking at it, looking at it, it goes under the water at one. Oh, point, does it I really? I really don't care for <laughs> at all. <laughs> it is there is there is no bridge, way to get from Sweden to Denmark without going across a bridge of some sort, Stephen. So I guess you're just not going to Denmark then. Uh, I guess not. I guess I'm stuck <laughs> in Sweden. Why does it so it's not direct and then it goes it goes underwater like three fourths of the way across? I don't like this. I don't. I'll copy this image over it. You got real problems with Scandinavian infrastructure. I think. I don't. You pop out of the tunnel. You're in the middle of Copenhagen. You're just like in Times Square. I think they're just doing this because they can. Yeah. That like white part in the middle. That's just that's just that's where it goes into a tunnel. But why? Because you're so close to the other side. Just finish the bridge. I don't know. Maybe they ran there's out something of there that they don't. There's something they don't want you to see. For, us, yeah, for our Sweden listeners, uh, if you're listening and you know a lot about Malmo because you live there, yeah, just let us know. Let us know yeah, why, th- why they decided to do that. Maybe our Copenhagen th- listeners as well. They probably know. I think Mothra's. <laughs> I think Mothra's on that little island to the north of the of the underwater part, and they don't want you to see anything. You know, anything that he's up to. So what is? <laughs> Why is that's my guess. Salt home? What what is this thing? That's it's it's friggin' it's friggin' there's no roads to get there. How do you get there? <laughs> <laughs> they figure for like you know three quarters of the year you're gonna be or at least half the year you're gonna be in like complete pitch darkness. So you're not even gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I hey, put it underwater. They're not gonna know. <laughs> Apparently, there's a bunch of seals that live on Saltome, that island. Uh, so maybe they don't want to disrupt the seal population, Stephen. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. That does, that does seem like a very like Scandinavian thing. <laughs> we, will uh, fish, we will fish things to death, but the seals must remain. Yeah. Uh, actually, once again, Wikipedia takes care of us here. The justification for the additional expenditure and complexity related to digging a tunnel for part of the way rather than raising <laughs> that section of the bridge was to avoid interfering with air traffic from the nearby Ooh, Copenhagen airport, lame, provide lame. a clear channel for shifts in good weather or bad, and to prevent ice flows from block- blocking the strait. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I don't really think about ice flows. <laughs> kind of know. bury the lead there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Wikipedia. Uh, and I do want you to know that the Orison Bridge did win the tw- 2002 IABSE Outstanding Structure Award. So. Get them on why that don't would... any of our bridges that go across the Mississippi go underwater? Well, I don't know because because <laughs> it's not five miles. I guess you get stuck in mud. You get stuck in mud immediately. <laughs> you never get out. You never get you'd, out. It's over. You'd be eaten by catfish. Um, I'm curious if the uh, the new East Spain Bridge 2015, the last American recipient of the IABSE Outstanding Structure Award. So new you know. East Spain, what is going on there? I don't know. It's don't in America. Know. Yeah. <laughs> The Milwaukee Art Museum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in two thousand four is the last one before that. So, this is qu- this is quite a list of just completely random buildings. Uh, there is at least wait, um, that's not a soccer stadium, I don't think. There are at least three soccer stadiums on here. Um, the Estadio. Ciudad de la Plata in La Plata, Argentina. Um, the 
new roof of the Commerce Bank Arena. Just the roof, though, not the arena. <laughs> That's um, good. That's good to know. <laughs> and, and the Stade de France in Paris, uh, which is the home of the national team, I guess. So that's not where um, PSG plays, is it? No, French national team and the Olympics. So there you go. Yeah, well, folks, they have their own, they have their own thing there. <laughs> we have found, I, I like to believe that, you know, on the Soccer Talk Wads podcast, as we patiently await the uh, long awaited, the long awaited arrival of That's Soccer right. Talk of uh, the St. Louis City SC squad, I like to think that we at least fill your head with knowledge. So. Yeah. You know, if we're not talking about kids playing soccer, we're talking about uh, best crests. And, and now you're going to know about underwater bridges. So if you came to this <laughs> podcast not thinking, you were going to learn about the IABSE Outstanding right. Structure Award. You were mistaken, and I'm First sorry. Off, to... Like you should be listening to this podcast with a notebook in hand because you will be right. learning some things. That's right. That is right. <laughs> Ian, Ian, every word we say is new to him. He's a yeah. he's, he's a young man. He's look a young learning notes. boy. So uh, don't look at my notes. <laughs> you know that just, you know that fun little S that graffiti S is everywhere. Just, like, <laughs> it's, all over the place. Just, it's just that and a lot of swears. So I used to draw. Uh, I used to like practice drawing basketballs in my notebook and. And uh, that's just all in Ian's, Ian's just drying a little soccer ball. That's right. Uh, is there anything uh, else of soccer importance that we should talk about before we sign off here? No, I think we, we've gone so far away from it. My brain is just empty now. Just... Yeah, that's a hundred percent. It's cleansed. Well, uh, folks, don't uh, disrupt any seal populations. That's right. Don't let ice flows clog your river. I know it's, I know it's only most uh, importantly, by the way, don't, don't let ice flows clog your bridges. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) if you have designed any IABSE outstanding structure uh, winners, or you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll let, I'll let the lowly people in even nominees. If you've designed an outstanding (laughs) structure nominee and it wasn't even impressive enough to win, give us a call. Maybe you can be a guest on the next episode because we do love architecture here. Yeah. That'll be the next bonus pod. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And to our listeners in Malmo, big shout out. Thanks for protecting the seals and watch. But not Copenhagen. Copenhagen. (laughs) I'm not going underwater. Uh, This podcast may be underwater, but I will never be. So, <laughs> thanks. thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you later adios see you I'll tell you like it happened it was Darius and no one in me just a few poor boys trying to get up out of misery 255 the Louisiana stopped by the highway to Back out under thunderheads, the radio was southern soul They interrupted Clarence Carter with a strange ass local show They were saying Come down to Lake Pontchartrain, rest your soul and feed your brain That's where you will get to see everything the water can be The rain was coming down, the wind was howling outside a slide down